Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. They want to know, like, hey, what was the outcome of that call? And that's one thing with us. Most of the time, we don't ever get the outcome. I understand um, how difficult it can be. I want to give a thank you to Diane uh, and a shout-out to her. Uh, Some of these calls are not easy. I can understand that. Out here, we got some that answer the lines up there. They're just just get upset. they they just so rude or just mean or just angry. You're kind of always, you have to always be aware and that can play a role on people's, you know, mental and physical health. We train them. We say, hey, you are going to experience people who are probably having the worst day of their life. They should have been designated as um, first responders a long time ago. I'm Sarah Fenske. The movement to classify 911 dispatchers as first responders is gaining steam across the U.S. The governors of both New York and Kansas signed bills to that end earlier this year. Closer to home, the St. Louis County Council gave unanimous approval to the classification two weeks ago. Suffice it to say, that seldom happens these days in St. Louis County. So what's driving this apparently very popular change, and what will it do? Well, joining us now with some answers is Brian Battles. He's a communications supervisor for the St. Louis County Police Department. Brian, welcome. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. So, Brian, before we get into job classifications, I want to hear a bit about the job. You've worked for the St. Louis County Police for 12 years. What is it that you do? Well, we answer uh, 911 calls for service as well as non-emergency calls, and then we also dispatch those calls to the Uh, police officers on the other end of the room. So we take calls from the citizens, we process those calls, and then we get uh, the police out to them as quick as we can. And so you're deciding what needs to happen in response to what the caller is telling you? Yeah, that is correct. We're deciding what kind of resources get sent to those calls. So we first take the information uh, based on location, where it's going on, and then we get the what information, how long ago did this happen, um, any any characteristics that are going to help the police officers understand what's going on. And then we uh, send that call over to the other side of the room to the radio dispatcher. The radio dispatcher then, based on a computer program, selects the uh, officers to respond. And then we dispatch those officers to that call for service. So there's a lot going on every time that phone rings. How many calls do dispatchers handle on an average day? Well, that's going to depend on the 911 center you're in, but it's the St. Louis County Police Department. Um, currently, the dispatchers are taking, it's going to average uh, over 200 calls per person per 12-hour shift. Wow. So they're coming in pretty fast and furiously. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. So what kind of things do people call in with? I mean, we're all thinking maybe about that extreme case, you know, somebody has been murdered down the block. But I imagine that does not happen on a daily basis for each individual caller. What sort of things are you hearing? 
Yeah, no, that definitely doesn't happen on a daily basis. So we answer non-emergency calls for service. That can be anything from uh, giving bonding information for prisoners at the jail to uh, helping people get a copy of a police report. Uh, We direct people to either probation and parole or maybe the sex offender registration unit. Uh, Somebody wants a a, a CCW or a carry and conceal permit call um, to private security license and then the next call can be a 911 call where you're dealing with domestic violence, um, a mental health, excuse me, a mental health patient, um, a shooting, a cutting. And yes, we have had calls in the past where people, you know, either call in and they admit to uh, a violent felony such as murder. Whoa. They call in and they say, hey, I've, I've killed someone. Yeah, it's happened. Um, it's it, not every day, obviously, but yeah, it has happened. And we have to be prepared for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, so you're dealing with kind of the gamut of human emotion there. I imagine, you know, for every confession you're getting, you're also getting people who are just in a state of of panic or fear. I mean, do you feel equipped to deal with all of that? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely feel equipped. And we train that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whenever we bring people onto the job, we train them. We say, hey, you are going to experience people who are probably having the worst day of their life or they're experiencing the worst thing that's ever happened to them. So you have to understand that, you know, they may not always cooperate with your line of questioning or it might be difficult for them to. So we really try to uh, put ourselves in their shoes, so to speak, uh, and guide the call that way. But what makes it challenging is the fact that when you're answering over 200 calls a day, you don't get to dictate which ones are emergency and which ones are not emergency. Mm -hmm. So one second you're taking a phone call and you're providing uh, information to the record room so somebody can get a copy of a police report. And the very next phone call you get is somebody who is suicidal and may want to kill themselves. And now you have to make sure that you're handling that situation appropriately. Yeah, I have to say of everything you've said here, even the person calling in and, and confessing to murder, I'm most struck by the fact that people are also calling this line for things that don't feel like emergencies at all. Are, are they on the wrong line or this is just sort of the clearinghouse for everything? Well, we do answer two lines. So we do answer a non-emergency line and a 911 line. However, we do get a substantial amount of uh, calls on the 911 line that are not actual emergencies, whether that's um, somebody hitting the dial on their Apple Watch by accident, mm. or maybe the phone's in their pocket and it hits the SOS button. However, we do take people that call 911 who don't have an actual emergency because they don't know what other number to call. Sure. So you're kind of in this state where you have to be ready for the worst possible call to come in at any given moment. And then sometimes, as you say, it's just it's somebody's Apple Watch. Is it hard to transition between these various states of mind? Yeah, it can be. I mean, I think that once you get trained and you do the job, it becomes like second nature, just like any other job. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what the bigger problem is, is for people, they have a harder time understanding the impact that stress has on them while they're at work and then whenever they leave work, Mm -hmm. uh, because that doesn't just automatically leave you whenever you leave work. And, you know, there's studies out there that show that uh, PTS and PTSD is uh, very prevalent 911 centers with up to 25% of the people that work for you. I imagine. I mean, so when you go home sometimes, do you find or do your colleagues find you're just keyed up? I mean, you can't just turn off that part of your brain that, that's in adrenaline mode. Yeah, I think every person that works there. Yeah. 
It sounds like such a complex job, frankly. I mean, you're just you're dealing with so much there. I understand that sometimes people suggest to you that that this must be a fun job. That I don't think that would be my reaction to this. People people feel like this could be really fun. Yeah, I've, I've heard it in the past. Um, dispatchers tend to have stories about calls that they've taken, and that can sound uh, like fun. You know, anybody who's addicted to adrenaline or that type of uh, situation, they think that that's just um, something that you deal with every day, and it's kind of lighthearted. But in reality, it's not. You know, it, it might be fun to listen to, but when you're the one who's responsible for the outcome of that or at least guiding it to the right resource, um, it's not always fun. Yeah. What do you see? So that's kind of, that's the hard side of it. What do you see as the best part of this job? Um, helping people, for sure. I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but, you know, it's, I think it's more of a calling than a job. The people that stick around uh, really want to uh, have a job that's essentially a service job. It's what you're doing. You're providing a service to the citizens. You know, all the people at St. Louis County are very dedicated. I work with some of the most professional people in the industry. They care about the citizens. They care about each other. and They care about the police officers. And so I think that's um, very important and probably the best part of the job. Hmm. Well, we want to hear from you. I imagine some people out there have had meaningful interactions with the dispatcher. Maybe you accidentally called and this ended up being something where it brightened your day. Or maybe you were really in this state of panic or dealing with something that was a big deal and a dispatcher provided that critical help. I'm going to open the phone lines. You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. And you can join our conversation here with Brian Battles. Again, he's a communications supervisor for the St. Louis County Police Department. Brian, um, you told our producer that the training you got 12 years ago differs from the training a new dispatcher might get today. I'm curious to hear just a bit about those differences. Yeah, absolutely. So I walked in 12 years ago. I was handed a three-ring binder, had all of our policy and procedures and, you know, general orders uh, things like that, and you were assigned a trainer, and you sat down at the council, and depending on who your trainer was, um, you could have started talking and typing that day while they went over the policy and procedures in a, a learn-as-you-go kind of model. Mm-hmm. Well, today, we have a seven-week dispatch academy that's very much like what a police recruit would go through whenever they apply to be a police officer, so it's a lot of classroom training, but we spend the time giving them the basics of the job, right? We want to build that foundation for them to grow on. And it, we've seen a significant difference in uh, people, their ability to do the job and, you know, stay in the business after they go through this uh, dispatch academy. So it differs there, too. Another big thing is we will go out and, and take them around the county, and we show them the different locations and areas where they're going to be providing a service to, so that whenever they get those phone calls from those areas, they have a visual perspective of where this uh, person is at that needs help, right? And that plays a big deal in things like direction and distance. Boy, that makes so much sense. When did this uh, uh, seven-week training course, is this something that dispatchers has been, have been doing for a while now in St. Louis County? Uh, we've been doing it since 2018 in St. Louis County. And so it's pretty new. Yeah, it's, it's new. Um, I think if I were... If I remember correctly, this past Monday started our 11th Dispatch Academy class. So we put quite a few people through it. We try to average 10 to 12 people a class. 
So we're hearing throughout the country in all sorts of job classifications, people are just having a hard time finding the workers they need. I know this has been a huge problem in St. Louis City when it comes to 911 dispatchers. Has that been an issue in St. Louis County as well? Yeah, so nationally it is a trend, right? I know that people don't like hearing that or it might it might not seem uh, flattering to the citizens when they hear that, but at St. Louis County we are experiencing some of those staffing woes, if you will. And it's mainly because uh, we're, we're seeing that the job's just stressful, right? Mm-hmm. The schedule does play a role in people's work-life balance. Um, we have people that come in, they complete the dispatch academy, they complete their initial training, they can do the job, and then they say, hey, you know what, I can do it, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to be exposed to this much stress on a daily basis. I don't want to have to work a midnight shift. I don't want to have to work a 12-hour shift. Um you're kind of always, you have to always be aware. And that can play a role on people's, you know, mental and physical health. And then that can carry over into the family life. And so from the national perspective, there are two organizations, um, APCO and NINA, they're 911 organizations that lobby on behalf of the industry. And what they're seeing nationwide is those are the reasons people are having a hard time retaining employees specifically in this industry. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Brian Battles. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. And now back to our conversation. Our guest today is Brian Battles. He's a communications supervisor for the St. Louis County Police Department. That means he deals with 911 calls, also non-emergency calls, just dealing with everything that comes in, getting it to its proper place. Uh, 911 dispatchers in St. Louis County are now being classified as first responders. And we'll talk about that change in just a moment. But first, I want to go to the phone lines. Um, Kathy is calling from St. Louis County. Kathy, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. I want to give a thank you to Kat, to Diane uh, and a shout-out to her. Uh, she helped me with uh, some street information. She re- relayed that to the street department so that they would call me, and she did a very fine job, and uh, some of these calls are not easy. I can understand that. <laughs> okay, but thank you. And so, Kathy, it sounds like you called in. You were dealing with what we might not think of as a problem that would go to these dispatchers, and they were on it. Yes, yes. They, she helped me uh, a lot, tremendously. So um, I really appreciate that, and I hope she listens. And, and I, I think I did thank her before, Sarah. Well, that's great. Well, Kathy, thank you for sharing that experience. Brian Battles, that has to feel good. Yeah, it sure does. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. Linda is calling from Lincoln County. Uh, Linda, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Yes, um, yeah, I appreciate the dispatchers and the work they do and everything, and I know it's a stressful job. But out here, we got some that answer the lines up there. They're just just get upset. They they don't want to answer questions or just or like. And I'm making sure I'm not calling back on the nine one 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 line if I have a just a question. Yeah. So and, Linda, your experience in Lincoln County, these dispatchers don't always seem equipped for for when you call. Yeah. They'll, they're not. Some some of them are just so rude and just mean or just angry. And I called about me and somebody else. I called about a possible fire or a bunch of smoke and stuff. 
and it smelled like some strong chemical. We were wondering if it was a drug lab or what was going on or somebody's trailer was on fire because there was a trailer court nearby. And this dispatcher got so angry when I called back. And I'm trying to tell her I was the one that first noticed the smoke. And then the other person was the one that made the call on their business line. Well, and, Linda, I'm, um, I'm sorry that, that you were dealing with that. It sounds like you had a very legitimate reason for calling. And, and Brian, I think this gives a sense of what you're talking about, why seven weeks of training is so important. People could be calling in with anything, and you guys have to find a way to be professional and be ready for it. Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. I, I couldn't have said it better. So this is something where there is a movement afoot that you feel like this is going to be a positive change and help 911 dispatchers. And this is a job classification change. This is something that St. Louis County approved. Can you tell us what this does? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let me just take a step back here. So this actually started in the early 2000s with the Homeland Security Act of 2002, okay? And that defined the term first responder as an individual who in the early stages of an incident are responsible for the protection and preservation of life, property, evidence, and the environment, right? Mm -hmm. So by this very definition, who better to be considered a first responder than the dispatcher who starts everything from answering the phone and entering a record into the computer-aided dispatch system? So by that definition alone, you know, there's agencies, I'm sorry, there's resources out there like Police One who will tell you that defines uh, 911 dispatchers as first responders by the definition alone, but that doesn't do much, right? Mm-hmm. So in about 2014, there was an effort at the federal level that started, and the goal of that was to move 911 dispatchers from what's called an administ- administrative support occupation to a protective service occupation. So in 2018, you got bipartisan legislation from U.S. Representative Norma Torres from California, who is a former 18-year veteran of the LAPD as a dispatcher, and Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, who is a former FBI agent. They sponsored legislation in 2018 called the 911 Saves Act. It's made its way a little bit further through that process at the federal level. Um, Unfortunately, it's not there yet. But really, that doesn't carry a whole lot of teeth, right, just being reclassified or pushed over to the protective services occupation, um, where we see the benefit comes at the state and local level. And, and what would be the benefit then? Say that there was a statewide change on this front. What would this do that would make your life different? Yeah, that's a really great question. So we're still in the early stages of this. And I think you had mentioned at the onset of the show that it was Kansas and Georgia, I believe, that you had stated that did it statewide. I know that California and Texas have too. There's no blueprint, right? So as of today, just because the legislation went through in St. Louis County, it doesn't immediately give us any benefit. But I can tell you what other states are doing, other cities and counties are doing, and why that is important. So, you know, the state of Missouri could do that. That doesn't necessarily change anything in St. Louis County. So the good way to think about it is the federal level kind of puts the states on notice, like, hey, this is what we're doing. If it's done at the state level, that kind of tells the city and counties, hey, if you would like to make a a ordinance, uh, some legislation to do it at your local level, that's really where you get the bang for your buck. And the reason being is because we can now lobby through the collective bargaining agreement for greater pay uh, benefits, training, mental health services, and those things are going to go 
right back to the county council that voted us as first responders for consideration. And that's why it's a big deal. Okay, so, so this, a, this basically would allow you guys to unionize. Well, the St. Louis County does have a collective bargaining agreement through uh, the association or the FOP, and it does cover the entry-level dispatcher and the first-line supervisor. So they could essentially, in their bargaining agreement, ask for higher pay or benefits or training specifically as a result of being classified as a first responder. So then when that collective bargaining agreement goes to the county council for approval, you've got a county council who voted 7-0, and three of those members have an intimate relationship with the job. They have an understanding of why you're asking for these things. So let me make sure I understand this right. These are our people who are already part of this bargaining agreement through the Fraternal Order of Police. But this gives them, because they'd have this different classification, it gives them increased access um, to perks that come for that bargaining unit. Perks is maybe not the right word. Benefits that come for being part of that collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So this could be a real difference for would this this would impact pretty much everybody working as a as a 911 dispatcher or is already in that unit? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So this is something um you're saying that the state uh, and the local level is really where you get I think the bang for your buck is the way you phrased it. So you see this making a big difference that St. Louis County has done this. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something where, do you see, is, is higher pay um, the thing that will be pushed for through these contracts? Or is this something where looking for things to deal with things like PTSD and, and some of the work stresses that you talked about previously? Yeah, so my position is considered management, so I'm not a bargaining member, so I don't know exactly what they're bargaining for. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that uh, just talk networking with different people from different states, different organizations, yes, pay is one thing that they're lobbying for because of the classification and just specifically because of it. Um, And then the other one, really what you're seeing is the mental health benefit, that component. So a workman's comp claim for PTS or PTSD as a result of pointed incidents where a police officer would get the coverage for that. So previous to this classification, you had a serious incident where an officer was injured or killed in the line of duty. Every officer involved in that who might suffer from an immediate post-traumatic stress or a delayed post-traumatic stress disorder, can file a workman's comp claim as a result of that. That's in theory. And then the insurance companies, you know, you deal with that. Well, under this classification, it would allow us to fight for the dispatcher who had to coordinate that incident, who might also suffer from some type of post-traumatic stress, to now also file a workman's comp claim as a result of being involved in the incident. Oh, okay. So this person would now qualify for that benefit in a way that without this job classification, they would not have... Yeah, in theory, yes. I mean, there's no guidance on that because we're, we're, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but as far as I know, I think we're the first and only uh, 911 center in the state of Missouri to be classified as first responders. So there really isn't, uh, we're kind of paving the way as far as that's concerned. Hmm. You'd also mentioned earlier for some people who go through this seven-week course that at the end of it, it's the work schedule that's really an issue. Is this something that, um, you know, now that you have this classification, people with seniority might be able to get better work schedules? That would be something that could become negotiable. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, We're really looking for retention, mostly, Mm -hmm. retention and recruitment. And that is a way that once you start getting back to full staffing, you can start looking at schedules that benefit everybody and their work-life balance, which is key to keeping people 
Um, you know, their quality of work is going to improve. You know, there's a whole bunch of benefits to having a work schedule that is not um, so demanding on their themselves and their, you know, it, it goes over into their personal life and that plays a factor in whether they stick around. Mm-hmm. So you see what St. Louis County has done here as something that will pave the way for other departments in Missouri to consider the same thing. Is that something that you're actively involved in and in, in helping share with them what's happened here in the county? Yeah, I have talked to a few different uh, 911 centers, uh, directors, executive director, deputy director, and yeah, they're asking questions. How did this process start in St. Louis County? What did we have to do? Where should they start? Those kind of things. And I'll be happy to answer any of those questions. So if anybody's listening today and this is something where they're like, hey, this could affect the department I work for, you're encouraging people to get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been in touch with other locals specifically? You know, I'm thinking of St. Louis City and St. Charles County. Do you guys all talk to each other across uh, municipalities? Uh, We do talk to each other, but I have not talked to those two specifically regarding this. No, I have not. So as part of this effort, and again, you got this unanimous vote in a, a council body that is never unanimous. I understand that you met with uh, Councilwoman Lisa Clancy and um, uh, uh, Kelly Dunaway uh, to talk to them about this change. Um, what surprised them the most when they sat down and talked to you about the work that you do? Well, I talking to them after the fact, I think it was a combination of things, maybe the sheer amount of work that they have to do and how quick they have to process that information, get it in, and then move on to the next call. Uh, anybody that comes into this and just sits and observes the job, they tend to, the first two or three calls are very impressionable on them, mm-hmm. and they, they want to know, like, hey, what was the outcome of that call? And that's one thing with us. Most of the time, we don't ever get the outcome. Our job isn't to determine or know the outcome. Our job is to move right on to the next call and make sure that we're processing those calls effectively. And I think that's probably what hit them the most. I imagine with what kind of calls we take. I imagine that's hard in the beginning. I mean, did that take, you sort of had to train yourself to be able to to move on mentally and not keep thinking about what might have happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even still today, if there's something significant or it impacts me, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I'll try to follow up maybe with the police officer in a couple of days just to see what happened with the call. I'm going to squeeze in one more caller here. Let's go to Jana, who's calling from Wentzville. Um, Jana, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hello, Sarah. I listen to your program nearly every day. Well, and, thank you. Oh, oh I, and I saw you on, um, I'm, I'm 70 years old. I'm, I'm blanking out. I saw you on Donnie Bro. Oh, goodness. Was, well, well, thank you for tuning yeah. in. We appreciate that. <laughs> um, well, I'll try to do this quickly because I know you're kind of pressed for time. Um, I am a retired medical researcher. My first job out of college, Brian, was in the pediatric cardiac cath lab um, at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And um, I understand um, how difficult it can be from going to sort of routine calls. Mm -hmm. In our case, in my case, we treated a lot of returning patients that were doing well, but um, with kids who had serious heart problems, um, you can go from a perfectly normal ECG into an arrest mode and in seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so hard. Um, so it sounds like you have some empathy for what Brian and his coworkers go through. Very much, and I'm um, 
I, I really think that they should have been designated as um, first responders a long time ago. Well, Janice, um, thank you for sharing that perspective. And, and Brian, I guess that's a, a, actually the absolutely perfect place to end this conversation. This is something that it sounds like it was in the works for years. Um, and you guys are now at a point where it's happened in St. Louis County. That's got to feel like this is, a, this is a little victory here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, was a, it was definitely a good day. Well, Brian Battles, uh, Communications Supervisor for the St. Louis County Police Department, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and then helping explain these changes and also what you do. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. This episode was produced by Laura Hamden with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather-Glass. It was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.